The Truth Express with your conductor, Erskine, who give you the latest on national news, politics, policies, business, and government issues. Selwyn Duke. Selwyn's written for The New American for over a decade. He's also written for The Hill, The Observer, American Conservative, World Net Daily, American Thinker, and many other print and online publications. He's contributed to college textbooks published by Gail uh, Cengage uh, Learning. He's appeared as a frequent guest on television, on radio. We're going to discuss two really hot topics. One is COVID and the ghost of Nuremberg, and Democrats are kicking blacks to the curb. You can get his writings at thenewamerican.com, contributor Selwyn Duke, or selwynduke.typepad.com. All that's listed at Truth Express Radio. Dot, dot com truth express radio.com now i'm your ho- your conductor for this express erskine we're trying to present the truth and this article that you've written selwyn i'm telling you this this really knocked it out of the ballpark COVID and the ghost of nuremberg wow wow you're telling <laughs> it the way it is a life-saving treatment denied nurses um at Nuremberg and the nurses here, they're saying we were just following orders, just following orders. Where did we hear that before, Selwyn? Yeah, yeah, it's hard to imagine, Erskine, huh? but that's become a notorious phrase, as those of us even mildly acquainted with history know. We were just following orders, or we are just following orders, and eerily, this frontline nurse who was working with COVID patients, Nicole Siratek, She heard that line, as you just indicated, yeah, as an explanation for why COVID patients were not receiving life-saving treatment. And you can stop me if you've gone through this before on your show, but we've gone through it. But the fact, the fact is, they weren't. They're not giving people the treatments that work. They're giving them rindisafir that destroys the kidneys and doesn't work. They're giving them anything that doesn't work. They're trying to rely on the vaccines when they've got ivermectin which they know works they've got hydroxychloroquine that they know works and they are forbidding patients to take it and people are dying because of that this is in inhumane isn't it it really is it really is and dr peter mccullough who is a renowned expert in this field in fact he is one of the more published experts in his field he explained early on in 2020 how you deal with COVID. He explained this in front of government bodies. He said it's a three-step process. First, you inhibit the viral ep- uh, viral replication. Then you right. treat the immune system dysregulation. Then you treat the thrombosis. And in that way, you can get people through this disease. And I have to tell you something. Not only have I heard about ivermectin, the ivermectin protocol, how effective it is, not only have good studies indicated that it is effective, Erskine, but I have seen it work with people close to me. Two people I know developed COVID a while back. Both are in a very vulnerable category. Both developed trouble breathing. They took the ivermectin along with the zinc, and of course it's a whole (laughs) protocol, involves other medications as well, and one of them... Yeah, one of them literally felt better five minutes later. She said she never saw a medication work so fast in her whole life. And the other individual also said it worked very, very quickly, and he was extremely impressed. So I am convinced it's effective, but it's been denied to patients, as we said, 
And part of this has to do with bureaucracy. You know, there's this doctor, again, stop me if I'm going on too long, Dr. Ted Noel, he's retired now. He writes out of Florida for American Thinker. I've talked to him on the phone, and he wrote right. a great article at American Thinker quite a while back about why doctors can't prescribe ivermectin, because it's off-label. If they do, their careers can literally be ruined. They can be kicked out of the Medicare system for a couple of years. They really can lose their whole income because of all the red tape, because of how you have to toe the line and just go by the official protocols. So then we have to say, well, the official protocols are the source of the problem, right? And who is responsible for the official protocols? People such as Anthony Fauci, our health authorities in general, who were pushing these so-called vaccines, just flying in the face of common sense, instead of establishing a proper treatment protocol early on. I mean, I think it was Dr. McCullough himself who said a long time ago, it's criminal that we don't at this late stage have any treatment protocol for COVID. How is that possible? This is 2020. I mean, it was at the time. And, you know, the point is, is that he said, if we had established a proper treatment protocol early on, McCullough said, 85% of the people who died of this illness would have been saved. That was his right. estimate. Now, think about the kind of numbers we're talking about. So these people literally have blood on their hands. There's no question about it. People such as Anthony Fauci, Dr. Deborah Burks, I would say, all the rest of them, Redfield, Fra who used Francis to be, I think, Collins. Francis yeah, Collins yeah. and the guy down at the University of North Carolina. Right, all of them. Now, I also had a friend of mine. She was in her 70s. She had COVID. She was lying in bed for about two weeks. She took the uh, uh, ivermectin, and uh, within hours, within two hours, she's feeling better. And by the fifth day, it's a five-day protocol. By the fifth day, uh, she woke up, and her cough was gone completely. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. And that yeah. works. And the thing is, the NIH and Fauci was working on the gain of function with Wuhan. He was making money off of it. Uh, Bill Gates made $200 billion in one month. He was bragging about it. Selwyn, he was bragging about it, making $200 billion in one month. Fauci made a lot of money off of it. He had patents on the HIV, which they were including, because what the gain of function did weaponized it so it could get from animals into people. That's what he was working on. And so he was the father of the COVID, and he was pushing, uh, uh, not working for any treatment. All hopes were into the vaccine. The jab was not uh, patriotic. We were told that. Don't take the jab, and you're going to lose your job, lose your friends. I mean, the shots failed. The mortality rates were worse than one in 200-year catastrophe. Shots were simply yes. not working. And then you see people like uh, recently we've got Kamala Harris and we've got people like Nancy Pelosi. They're all coming down with COVID. They've had the shots. They've been double boosted and everything else. And they say ridiculous things. They're saying, oh, well, it would have been worse if we hadn't had the shots. You don't know that. And the other thing that they've done is 215 members of Congress have all taken either hydroxy or ivermectin. They've taken it, but we can't get it. I've got a doctor friend of mine who was on, and they're going yep. after her license, Selwyn. They're going after her license for prescribing it. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned Erskine, those members of Congress. Yes, because behind the scenes, many of them have sought this treatment precisely because they know it works. They see through the propaganda. They know almost, really almost, half, almost half of Congress has taken it. That's what's so insane. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And remember, part of the reason this is going on is that the drug companies don't make a lot of money off ivermectin. No, you can no. buy that for a dollar twenty a dose. Or, or hydroxychloroquine, but you can get you can get both of those over the counter in places like Mexico and places like Africa and India. You can get it over the counter. Isn't that interesting? Right. Yeah, that really is something. In fact, that's another issue. But I think we go overboard in this country with making medications prescription. And, of course, certain medications have to be. I understand that. But I think in many cases it's a violation of legitimate freedoms. I think people should be able to make an informed decision. But anyway, there are ways of obtaining ivermectin from overseas, but I don't know if I want to get into that. <laughs> but, no, this whole thing is ridiculous because, look, even if what they say is true about these so-called vaccines, and I say so-called because they're not true vaccines, Erskine, they don't actually prevent you from contracting and transmitting the disease. Supposedly, they just right. mitigate its symptoms once you develop it. So I understand that a better way to describe them is as mRNA therapy agents or gene therapy agents. And I believe one oh. of these drug companies, yeah, I don't know if it's Pfizer or one of the others, actually classifies it as gene therapy. If you yeah, look it's into not, not their a, not a back, not a vaccine, as we know. Now, I'm going to quote from your article. Uh, the secession yes. of ungodly medical experimentation on humankind immediately, they called for. Never before has immunization of the entire planet been accomplished by delivering a synthetic mRNA into the human body. It's a miracle experiment to which the Nuremberg Code must be applied. Now, the people who said that were survivors of the Holocaust. These are not medical doctors. They're survivors of the Holocaust. They're seeing the same thing happen. That's that to me was amazing. Right. Yes. Well, they are survivors of the Holocaust. And that's what makes this so significant, because when you invoke the Nazis when putting forth a position or making an argument, supposedly that's supposed to immediately lose you the argument. And when Robert F. Kennedy quite a while back alluded to the Nazis or referenced the Nazis when he was talking about the so-called vaccines, he was really pilloried in the media. But here you have Holocaust survivors. Who, who would know better? The... Who would know yeah. better than a Holocaust survivor, right? You go, they go into some of the detail of the experiments they did. This is just an extension of the same type experiments, right? Right, right. Well, you know, the Nuremberg Code has not been applied at all since World War II. These Holocaust survivors think it should be, and they make their case, and certainly they can do it with moral credibility because of their status. And it is interesting, these people who visited this disaster upon us, this disaster that was this overreaction to COVID, definitely should be held accountable, Erskine, in some way. There's no question about it. I mean, this has been possibly the greatest blunder in all of American history, this reaction to COVID, if you want to call it a blunder. Because you look at what these people did, pursuing ridiculous courses of action, not just these gene therapy agents, right, the so-called right. vaccines, but visiting lockdowns upon us when we've known for a long time that not only do lockdowns not work to mitigate the spread of the disease, studies have shown that, 
but they're actually counterproductive. They cause more death and disease over the course of time. There was a study out of South Africa that indicated that the lockdown there would cause 20 time, 29 times as much death as the pandemic alone would. Sweden now, I understand too. that South Africa. Sweden yeah, never had may, a lockdown. Right. Yeah. It may not be the same ratio here, but the point is, is that people weren't seeking other treatments because we were locked down. They weren't seeking cancer evaluations, getting cancer right. treatments, heart evaluations. You have to understand there was greater suicide, drug use, alcohol abuse, so on and so forth, domestic abuse, child abuse a whole host of things that I can't even think right now that were secondary effects of these lockdowns. So all of this we knew was folly. We knew that areas and countries, states that were not locked down were doing at least as well with COVID as the ones that were locked down. But yet yeah. these leaders, so-called leaders, have persisted with this ridiculous policy. And I think a big part of it, I've said this for a long time, Erskine, and I'm surprised that no one else points it out, is that they simply can't admit fault. They're too deep into this. Oh, fault. no, 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 no. I think yeah. it's worse than that. I think it's worse than I that. I do, too, but I think it's part of it. Uh, yeah. Part of it is that uh, when they came in with the COVID, they brought in fear. And fear right. led to uh, people not thinking. Fear led to loss of common sense. We'll be back. The Biden administration is quickly moving to implement the liberal fantasy of socialist spending. After spending a $2.1 trillion stimulus, the president and Democratic-led Congress have introduced another $3 trillion plan to add to our insurmountable debt, seeking to raise taxes on Americans making as little as 200000 a year. Have you seen the immigration footage? $87 million putting illegals in hotel rooms and our troops sleeping on parking garage floors. Could this be the biggest single gold buying opportunity in history? Well, Wells Fargo and Goldman Sachs say this is the time to buy gold. Patriot Gold Group, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver, and you may qualify for no fee for life IRA. Call 800-356-4470 for details. Patriot Gold Group, Consumer Affairs top-rated gold IRA dealer, five years running. Call 800-356-4470 today. They put people in fear, and they've lost common sense. That is what part of it was about. People were not thinking right. They're not thinking straight. They still aren't. Now, when you're looking at the situation, the shot has some major problems. They found, uh, what, 1,900 or 1,600 problems with it when they started releasing Pfizer's documentation that wasn't supposed to be released for 75 years. They're starting to release some of it, and the figures are not good at all. They're finding that it really compromises your immune system lots and lots of problems you've got the clots with them that are forming uh it's also uh having a lot of really bad situations with the myocarditis and children they won't give them the shots and they they don't get it the receptor sites aren't formed nobody's telling you to stay away from ibuprofen nobody's telling you to stay away from certain heart medications the ace inhibitors that also form the receptor sites but let's get back to the Nuremberg Code. Uh, you, consent is essential. Uh, the nature, the duration, the purpose of the experiment. They must disclose the side effects. None of that was done was, it, was itself. None of that. 
No, it wasn't done at all. And you mentioned children. You mentioned the death caused by these gene therapy agents. I oh, mean, yes. And an, yeah, an analysis was done of the VAERS database. That's the Vaccine Adver- Adverse Event Reporting System. And it found that heart attacks are 71 times more likely with this so-called vaccine than they right. are after taking other vaccines. You mentioned children. It's criminal trying to give children these shots because Absolutely. they're basically not affected by this disease. The CDC itself, not that I think the CDC is a great authority, but they've been pushing this nonsense. They themselves admitted a long time ago in October 2020 that the survival rates for COVID are thus. If you're zero to 19 years old, your survival rate is 99.997%. If you're 20 to 49, it's 99.98%. And if you're 50 to 69, that's supposed to be a high-risk group, right? Right. Your survival rate is still 99.5%. An analysis was done, another analysis. It found that if you give kids these shots, 117 kids will die from the jab for every child saved from COVID. Not only that, there was a study, Erskine, out of Germany. Now, Germany is a nation of about 83 million people, I believe. Right, right. And it analyzed 15 months of the pandemic and how many healthy kids in Germany during that period died of COVID 15 months, zero, zero. Right. If you have a healthy child, he will not die of COVID. If that is, well, you had a, you had a Supreme court judge Sotomayor say a hundred thousand kids are in the hospital. I mean, this is the type of uh, absolute lies that we're hearing coming from the Supreme court Nuremberg code. We'll go through the rest of these. Fruitful results for good of society. Uh, it uh, it's you have to assume that it can't be done by any other me- measure, which isn't the case. Uh, avoid unnecessary physical, mental suffering. Risk never to exceed the problem. Well, it certainly is. Heart attack seventy one times greater greater than any previous vaccine, and terminate any stage if injury, disability, or death occurs. Now, that is the Nuremberg Code. It's violating every aspect of the Nuremberg Code, isn't it? Well, it certainly is. It certainly is. I mean, Dr. McCullough said a long time ago that these gene therapy agents, quote, mechanism of action is clearly poisonous. That's what he said. And he said, Erskine, that these drugs are far and away the most lethal toxic biologic agents ever injected into a human body in American history. Now, whether he's overstating the case or not, I don't know. But the point is, you have to be wary. You have to look before you leap. These are untested drugs. And understand something else. This is what's really most compelling, I think, to me. And this is mentioned in my article. There's an insurance executive. This was around late December. He was in some online conference. His name is Scott Davison. And remember, we don't know that he's political at all. He wasn't trying to make a political point, but he was talking about what's going on in the insurance industry, Erskine. And this relates to the deaths caused supposedly by the gene therapy agents. Here we're going to a break. All right. (laughs) We'll talk about that when we get. Yeah. The Biden administration is quickly moving to implement the liberal 
fantasy of socialist spending. After spending a $2.1 trillion stimulus, the president and Democratic-led Congress have introduced another $3 trillion plan to add to our insurmountable debt, seeking to raise taxes on Americans making as little as 200000 a year. Have you seen the immigration footage? $87 million putting illegals in hotel rooms and our troops sleeping on parking garage floors. Could this be the biggest single gold-buying opportunity in history? Well, Wells Fargo and Goldman Sachs say this is the time to buy gold. Patriot Gold Group, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver, and you may qualify for no fee for life IRA. Call 800-356-4470 for details. Patriot Gold Group, Consumer Affairs top-rated gold IRA dealer, five years running. Call 800-356-4470 today. Johnson Johnson scientists. J and J made the third third shot. He had Moderna, Pfizer, and J and J. The scientists told Project Veritas people shouldn't take the company's vaccine. J and J executives stated emphatically, "Children do not need the shot." You think they are crazy, or do you think the guy knew what he was talking about? He developed it. He all know what he's talking about. The insurance of yeah. uh, what they had to do change actuarial tables. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's make clear that the reason why that came forth, that information, Erskine, was that these executives, drug company executives, were caught in a sting operation by Project Veritas. This was on right. a hidden video. They wouldn't say this publicly, knowingly, but behind the scenes, they admitted what the truth is. And before the break, I was talking about this insurance CEO, Scott right. Davison. He's the head of One America, which is based in Indianapolis, and he was in this online conference. Again, we don't know that he's political at all. He was not trying to make a political statement, but he was talking about how they're seeing a huge increase in deaths now in the insurance industry all across the country. Most of them are non-COVID deaths, and he said that this is so extreme that it's the equivalent of a one in 200 year catastrophe. It's wow. 40% above the norm. 40%. He said a one in 200 year catastrophe, I'm quoting him now, would be 10% increase over pre pandemic. So 40% is just unheard of, unquote. That's what he said. So you can put two and two together. What could be causing this tremendous increase in death? Now, I suppose, Erskine, if you want to be completely scientific about it, you have to say, well, we could theorize, but we don't really know. But if you want to evaluate it the way the man on the street would, I think you have to say, okay, well, these are non-COVID deaths mainly. What has changed in our society? Well, what's right. changed is that we're inoculating people with this untested drug, or drugs, I should say. And by the way, all of this increased death was the third quarter of 2021, I believe, and that coincided with the time when they started administering these drugs. So I don't know. It looks very, very damning, and this tells you why these politicians have a vested interest in trying to keep this under wraps, because if the truth ever came out, can you imagine the number of careers that would be ruined? In fact, we have to wonder how many of these people would end up going to prison because what they've done to the American people and the people of the world is just unconscionable. It is. It is. And if you tried to talk about it, then you, they would ban you from Facebook. They'd ban you from Twitter and the other outlets. I've had it happen. They'll ban you. They'll ban you from everything. 
Now, this is just uh, absolute. This is not the country we believe in where you don't at least let people discuss it and see and decide for themselves what to do. But we're not giving it. I have never have you ever seen such an all out publicity blitz. Take the shot. Take the jab. Do this. Do this. Do this. Do it now. You're unpatriotic if you don't. I've never seen such a people were so scared. I saw people jogging in the fresh air with their dog with a mask on. They were looking to put masks on their dogs even. I mean, this is just <laughs> insanity. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, Selwyn, it's insanity what's been going on. People have lost their minds, and this was part of it. When you're in fear, you don't think. This is where they put the American public. Right, right. Well, yeah, the best is when you see those people driving all alone in vehicles with the windows oh, rolled up. Right, with, you right. You know what I'm going to say? A mask on. And you're I just know. thinking, what is this person's understanding of science? I mean, this is downright medieval in terms of the ignorance of the microscopic world that's evidence there. I you, mean, you, don't, absolutely- you don't have to understand science, Selwyn. Dr. Fauci told us that he is science. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, it's absolutely ridiculous. It really is. And, you know, there's that saying, Erskine, people go mad in herds, but they only come to their senses one at a time. And that really is the problem here. Uh, Even in my area, I live in a very liberal area. You see so many people walking around in the fresh air with these ridiculous face diapers on. And Fauci himself admitted that many of these masks do no good anyway. That was in a February 5th email, I think, last year that was uncovered of his. In other yeah, words, behind did. the scenes, he's telling the truth. Yeah. Then, then he says, put on two, three, or four masks. Well, you know, you can put a plastic bag over your head. You won't be able to breathe, but uh, you'll be safe. I mean, it's insanity. Now, you wrote another article that I really enjoyed. Democrats kicking blacks to the curb. More uh, uh, with systemic racist illegal immigration. This is really hurting the blacks in this country, isn't it? Making them harder to get jobs. Wages are lowering. Their values are decreasing. This is really not a good situation. This is a group that they thought was strongly Democrat. It isn't anymore. There are a lot more blacks uh, running in the Republican Party, I think, than the Democrat Party right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, we still have yet to see a huge shift where blacks are voting for Republicans in large numbers. However, some have moved into the Republican column. At least they did that with Trump. And there was a really interesting poll a while back that was shocking that showed that the GOP had 50 percent or more, I forget exactly, support among Hispanics, which is basically unprecedented. And if the blacks ever come back to the Republican Party, in a way they'll be coming home because black Americans did vote Republican in the 30s, 40s, even into the 50s. That only started changing in the 60s, and then quickly it reached a point where 90-plus percent of them, every election, were voting for Democrat candidates. And here we have a situation, and of course this is pretty common with humanity, where people are voting for their own demise. Because it's a very simple concept here, not hard to understand. It's supply and demand. If you increase the number of low-skilled workers in an economy, then their value within the market decreases. Now, this affects all people who are low-skilled, citizens who are, but it affects blacks inordinately because they tend to constitute an inordinate number of the low-skilled workers. Here are some statistics. I'm quoting someone now here. I guess I should say who it is, right? It is this Adrian Norman. 
he wrote this Newsweek piece, about six in ten adult black males have a high school diploma or less, and black men are disproportionately employed in the low-skilled labor market, where they are more likely to be in labor competition with immigrants. Okay, And also, if you look at these illegal aliens and other immigrants, they're concentrated in the big cities. So are black Americans. So they come into competition there. And the point is, is this hurts all Americans. It's absolutely disgusting. And we don't need more low-skilled workers in the United States. We already have an unemployment rate, a true unemployment rate that's quite high. You can't get people to do jobs because the government right. has been giving them so much free money. And not only that, here's something that's hardly ever mentioned. When you hear all these calls for more low-skilled workers, like what's her name, the former chancellor of Germany, Angela Merkel, she said this. She said, well, you know, we need these low-skilled workers. Well, every week or so, we hear about how robots are going to be supplanting more and more workers in the coming decades, in particular low-skilled workers. So, no, that's not what we need in the modern economy. And, of course, that's not the main reason we should eliminate illegal migration, but it certainly is one reason, and it does hurt black Americans. And, if only more of them knew it, maybe they would stop voting for the very people who are stabbing them in the back with terrible policy. But as someone who I quoted pointed out in my article, and we all know it, blacks, again, historically in modern times have voted 90 plus percent for Democrats. And if they can count on your vote, then they don't have to worry about serving you, right? Because they can right. take your vote for granted. So what they're doing instead is they're trying, the Democrats, to import more voters. That is the idea. I've been warning about this for many, many years. Pat Buchanan has as well. Now, again, these statistics have changed just recently. But typically, these immigrant groups would come, these illegal aliens, from the third world, 85 to 90 percent of them. That's true of our legal immigrants as well. And historically, when they would be naturalized, about 70 to 90 percent of them would vote Democrat. And that's why the Democrats have been so keen on immigration and illegal migration. It's not because they're so compassionate. It's not because they love these people so much. It's because they believe it's a key to cementing permanent power. It's, it's and, very interesting, you know, Selwyn. They don't care about the immigrants coming from Cuba because those people understand socialism. They're not going to vote Democrat. So they are concerned that they come from other countries. They don't want them from Cuba because those people understand it. And the other point that you made was illegals are taking entry-level jobs. And this, there's nowhere for people uh, to take an entry-level job because they're being taken by the illegals. So you can't work your way up anymore. That's a terrible thing, isn't it? It is. It is. And, you know, as I pointed out in my article, this denies young black people and others an opportunity to get their feet wet, get into the job market, develop skills, develop a work ethic. These things are very, very important. And we have sayings that apply to this work ennobles man, busy hands or happy hands. So it's very, very right. important that people do something productive with their lives and not just hang out on a street corner. Work is not something that we should view as a trial. Work is actually a blessing. It's a blessing from God for the aforementioned reasons. So it's very important that you stop this influx of these low-skilled individuals. Like I said, we don't need this. And by the way, 
everyone talks about on the left, oh, a living wage. You know, we need to raise the minimum wage. Well, guess what? If you want to increase the value of low-skilled workers within the context of the economy, what you do is you make them rarer commodities. That's what you do. If right. you flood this country with low-skilled workers, they're not going to be work- worth very much. If you don't, if they're in higher demand, employers have to pay more. And that's the more conservative, more common-sense-oriented way of spreading the wealth around. Well, you've got a couple of other situations with black America. Uh, had a black physician on, and uh, in the interest of being honest, I'll tell you who it was. Her name's Marilyn Singleton out of Oakland, California. Mm. And Marilyn was talking about what's been going on. Uh, I said, the blacks, 40% of the blacks aren't taking the COVID shot. I think I know why. Mm. And Marilyn said, I think I do too. See, the, when they did the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, right. they kept kept that going for years after they had a cure for syphilis and people were dying. They don't trust the government. Martin Luther King was a Republican. People forget that. He told judge people by the character, not the color of their skin. We're looking at racism coming up, and they don't care about equity. They don't care about diversity or racism. And you talk about this in your article. Black's main concern is crime and violence, and they don't trust the government. They have never had a reason to trust the government. Government offers them another plantation, and this is not right. This is not what they want. Now, under Trump, I'm not saying Trump was the greatest going. Well, he was. But the fact of the matter is, <laughs> under under Donald J. Trump, black entrepreneurship hit levels that we have never, never seen in this country before. That's all being destroyed now. Entrepreneurship in this country is being destroyed. You go down the street, you see a little shop. It's empty. That's somebody's dream that died. And this is exactly what's happening. A lot of black people were becoming entrepreneurs. They were trying to get part of the American capitalist system. Capitalism creates jobs. Uh, Socialism just takes the wealth away. That's the main thing. Capitalism is about the individual. Socialism is about the collective. I see individuals. Martin Luther King saw individuals. You see individuals, not a collective. And blacks appreciate that and know that. And I think that this election, they're going to change and turn. They're tired of being lumped in together, and they're tired of Black Lives Matter, mattering for some, but not for others. Not mattering for uh, Mr. Evans, the the guardsman in Texas. You didn't see uh, Kamala Harris at his funeral. You didn't see uh, Joe Biden. You didn't see Al Sharpton at his funeral. Saw him at uh, George Floyd's funeral. You didn't see him at uh, Evans' funeral, the man who jumped in and saved two people, two illegals coming across this country, later found out they were carrying drugs. He didn't ask what they were doing. He didn't ask who they were or anything else. He was a hero. That is somebody, that's a black life that should really matter. Yeah, well, absolutely. And you mentioned how black entrepreneurship is maybe not as great now. And remember something here. If you're a leftist, if you're in the Democrat Party and you rely on the votes of the poor and dependent on government, you don't want those people to become self-sufficient. You're a power monger. You have to keep them under control. They have to be beholding to you for everything. Right. 
Well, exactly, exactly. Remember, when people start businesses and they become successful and they have intact families, they you in general become them. right more what we call conservative. Conservative. Right. They see all the money they have to pay to the government through their business. They don't like that. They become more likely to vote for people who believe in smaller governments. So if you're reliant upon the poor and, quote, downtrodden for your power, what do you want to do? What do you want to create more of? The poor and downtrodden. So these people, these leftists, do not have our best interests at heart. I've said this before, probably on your show, you have to remember that Many of the people in politics are power mongers. They're megalomaniacs. That's why they gravitate toward politics. And just like some people lust after food or money or sex, those are motivations we can all understand because we have them to some degree, just hopefully not to a disordered degree. These people lust after power in the same way, and that makes them dangerous. Absolutely. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is quickly moving to implement the liberal fantasy of socialist spending. After spending a $2.1 trillion stimulus, the president and Democratic-led Congress have introduced another $3 trillion plan to add to our insurmountable debt, seeking to raise taxes on Americans making as little as 200000 a year. Have you seen the immigration footage? $87 million putting illegals in hotel rooms and our troops sleeping on parking garage floors. Could this be the biggest single goal? Gold buying opportunity in history? Well, Wells Fargo and Goldman Sachs say this is the time to buy gold. Patriot Gold Group, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver, and you may qualify for no fee for life IRA. Call 800 356 4470 for details. Patriot Gold Group, Consumer Affairs top rated gold IRA dealer, five years running. Call 800 356 4470 today. Delwyn Duke is one of the best writers. He is a true journalist. We don't have too many of those left. If you want a magazine that's full of true journalism, subscribe to The New American. It really is. These are people who are explaining what's going on. No frills, just telling you the truth. You want to know where the truth is? That's where it is. It's uh, there. It isn't on the mainstream news. You can't listen to Fox. You can't listen to MSNBC. And it was really uh, enjoyment to see that CNN fell apart. Nobody wants to pay for what they're not watching anyway. So what I wanted to ask you, what do you see happening? You've got you something, anything that you want to talk about. We've got about five minutes left, Selwyn. Okay. Well, you mentioned before the break, Erskine, how black Americans are more likely to distrust the government than other groups right. are. And I want to point out that in a way, that's a quintessentially American sentiment. The founding fathers, what did they espouse? Well, among other things, they were very, very leery of government power, weren't they? They didn't trust government. That's why they gave us the Constitution they did. They wanted to constrain government. So we shouldn't trust government too much. Yes, we should love our country, and we should work towards making it something that's lovable. And by that, I mean making it a moral land, a place that we can be proud of, we should love our country, but we shouldn't necessarily trust government too much. You want to be careful about that. I mean, I think here about this Hispanic father. His name escapes me right now, but he was speaking 
in Texas, I think in front of a government body, because his 16-year-old son died after taking a COVID shot. 16 years old. And he was in tears saying, my son was my best friend. And he said, quote, my government lied to me. That's what he said. And he found that out, that you shouldn't trust government too much the hard way. So, no, you can't trust it. You put your trust in God completely. As far as human beings go, well, it's on a case-by-case basis. And as I said before the break with (laughs) politicians, you have to be especially careful because many of them are people with personality disorders, like being megalomaniacs. They're not normal at all. (laughs) Remember Remember Ronald Reagan's words, the most dangerous words in the world. He said, I'm from the government. I'm here to help you. Now, that's, right. that's, that is probably one of the best things that I've ever heard. Ronald Reagan had a way of putting things just so succinct. I'm from the government. I'm here to help you. That is an extremely dangerous thing to hear because they're never there to help you. They're there about, as you said, it's all about power, power and greed. That is their narcotic. That's their the what they trade in. And it means more than the money or anything else. And the money comes with the power. They want to have control over all of us, but most of us don't want to be controlled. We're, we're, we're too individual. I believe this country will come back from that, don't you? Yeah, well, I hope so. I'm probably not as optimistic as you are, but if we want freedom, we have to understand that a prerequisite for that is what? Virtue in the people, morality, as the Founding Fathers stressed. To quote right. Edmund Burke, the Anglo-Irish philosopher, he said, It is ordained in the constitution of things that men of intemperate minds cannot be free. Their passions forge their fetters. That's what he said. And that is ever true. And we have to understand, if we won't step up to the plate and be virtuous people, we're going to lose our freedom, whether we like it or not. As the Roman emperor, Marcus Aurelius, put it, he said, stand erect or you'll be made to stand erect. Okay. Now, the problem is, is maybe he had good intentions there. Our governments don't always make us stand erect. They make us bend over and bow down to their particular brand of immorality, as we see today with the so-called transgender agenda and so many other things. And this Covidian ritual. You bring it right back to where we need that. This is demonic. What's going on right now? It's demonic. We've got to get back to God. God is our refuge. God is our choice. We've got to get back to God. We've got to get back to the jail system. Uh, uh, so the first thing they did on COVID is shut down the churches. This is not a, not by accident that they did that. Right. And the liquor stores remained open and the abortion, abortion clinics. Abortion clinics. Right. Right, yeah. right. That tells you what their priorities are, doesn't it? Doesn't that it? That's very, very telling. Showed you exactly what the priorities were, and they had people living in fear. And when they go in fear, they just scatter, and they don't make sense. And that's exactly where we are. And we have to get back to it. We've got to bring get back to the Judeo-Christian belief system. They've done away with Judeo-Christian work ethic. We've seen that, haven't we, Selwyn? Well, absolutely, of course. And again, that plays into big government's hands, because when people are very lazy and they're dependent, then, of course, the government can control them, like we've said. And FDR said there's nothing to fear but fear itself. He wasn't really right about that. There are other things to fear, but we do have to fear fear because it's used to control us. All aboard the Truth Express. 
You can listen on your favorite podcast app or local radio station. Patriot Gold Group, Consumer Affairs operating five years running for your IRA or 401k. Call 800-356-4470 today. All aboard the Truth Express with your conductor, Erskine, who give you the latest on national news, politics, policies, business, and government issues. Rebecca Terrell, Senior Hello. Editor, Regular co- Contributor for the New American. I just read the article in this week's The New American title, COVID Hospitals, The New Killing Fields. Gather the title, COVID Hospitals, The New Killing Fields. It's a personal story of 19-year-old Grace Shira died October 13th at a hospital in Wisconsin. Did COVID take her life? No. A murderous treatment protocol that her family believes may claim many unfortunate victims. Story not only about Grace Shira, but also the potential Grace Shira's potential and all of us. That's in the, this uh, week's New American. Now, why so many fall for the COVID narrative? We don't know. Pfizer, overwhelmed with vaccine side effects, just been released. But when they have treatments like ivermectin, which can work, can work. 215 members of Congress have taken ivermectin. 215 members of Congress have taken ivermectin. You try to order it, they'll confiscate it. You could go to the pharmacy, you can't get it. Same thing as hydroxychloroquine, things that work. I mean, this is absolutely insane, absolutely insane. I'm going to do just the opening of your article, Rebecca. It's just too good. Imagine doctors tie your daughter down to a bed, administer increasing doses of drugs in lethal combination until she turns cold, stops breathing, and dies. That's the scenario in what her father of 19-year-old Grace Shira describes as happening, not in 1940 Nazi Germany, but last October in the United States of America, a Wisconsin hospital. This was a heart-wrenching story. It really was. She was killed not by COVID, but a drug overdose. Medical professionals agree the poor girl had Down syndrome, a very sweet girl who certainly did not desire, did not ask for or need a death sentence. This is incredible. And they're doing it to others, aren't they? Well, it does seem that way. I mean, what in Scott, her Grace's father, Scott, does not is not saying outright uh, that they murdered his daughter. What he's saying is he wants an investigation and he has all of the documentation that justifies his request to have that investigation. But everywhere he has turned, everyone has slammed the door in his face. This is a case where, yes, Grace went into the hospital with COVID. Her death certificate says COVID. But he says that based on the documentation he has received from the hospital, that is not true. He says that she he does not believe she died of COVID, but of a lethal combination of three different types of sedative medications uh, that were given that would 
I think would bring down an elephant. Um, right, and, right. And that's what happened on her last day. Even though on her last day of life, he says that her doctor called him and told him how well she was doing. So the pulse, the pulse uh, oximeter, it's oxygen measuring device at home, mm-hmm. showed their oxygen levels above ninety percent. Hospital said it was forty percent lower. The staff concerned concerned about. It said, yes, there were errors in what the hospital did. In other words, she had 90% oxygen, and they were still trying to put her on this, that, and the other. They couldn't uh, eat because they had her on a BiPAP mask, wouldn't let her father help. They pushed for a ventilator. Why? Because they make more money if you get put on ventilators. What did she die of? Malnutrition. She needed a feeding tube. Three days before her death, armed guards escorted the father out turning off the alarm so the brain could sleep, so that she could sleep. Nurses uh, uh, wouldn't allow that. Uh, he, well, he, and well, the nurses right. did allow it. The nurses showed him how to turn the alarms off on the hospital monitors at nighttime so they could sleep. He was staying with Grace in the hospital because he was, under the Americans with Disabilities Act, she could have a patient advocate with her. Her mother couldn't be there with her because her mother had COVID at the time, too. In fact, well, so, um, got, so did her father. He got too, yeah. also. But the older sister, his her older sister Jessica, didn't. She came in right. to cheer her up. Family isn't going to like this. They strapped Grace to a bed, and they wanted uh, when she wanted to go to the bathroom. That is inhumane. That is absolutely That's, inhumane. And that is one of the one of the big one of the many big questions that Scott wants answered. Why did they use restraints? There are extremely strict laws that govern the use of restraints. Um, and he does not see in the documentation how those laws were adhered to in the use of restraints on, on Grace. Um, and then they gave her a, a pre-op sedative. Called oh, let's, talk, let's talk about that. They upped the doses of the tranquilizers for four days, never told the family, a piece of dex or whatever. It's an ICU sedative, used it four mm-hmm. days. Package insert says it should be limited 24 hours. That's medical malfeasance right there. The day of well, death. It, yeah. It Go would ahead. seem to be, but again, it would seem to be. And what, again, this deserves a proper investigation. Scott has approached the Wisconsin, Wisconsin State Health Department. They've said, nope, we're not going to investigate. Uh, he's asked the hospital for a meeting. They've said, no, we're not meeting with you. Um, he's approached the US, even the U.S. Department of Justice. They've said they don't have time. They don't have time for it. <laughs> and um, he's also approached the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Now, Grace was a Medicare, Medicaid patient because she had a disability, and she was legally considered an adult at the age of 19. Right. Um, but under the um, – she was also under the Americans with Disabilities Act, of course. And – so he approached the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and that answer from them about an investigation was almost the most insulting because it was – they said that they investigated the hospital and found out that that hospital was eligible to receive Medicare and Medicaid funding. Wow. They completely ignored the fact that uh, of the case that happened. So he decided because he couldn't get any um, response from anyone, and he consulted with an attorney about what they could do, but because Grace was an adult – he was very. He and Cindy, his wife, are very limited as to what they can do legally. 
speaking. And, um, and his attorney pointed out, look, you're going up against a hospital you're probably going to lose. <laughs> he said, we right. can bring 10, 10 expert witnesses in. This is what Scott told me. Um, he, we can bring 10 expert witnesses in. The hospital's going to bring 100 in. And, you know, the hospital has billions it doesn't matter how much you fork over into this. And the As, most that Wisconsin statute will allow in a medical malpractice case is $750,000. Scott said, I don't want the money. I'll give it all to you. The attorney said, uh, you can't do that. The law won't let you do that. So um, uh, the, other, the other thing is they, they can change the records when you go in. I've seen that happen. Now, the day of well, death, midnight to 1048 a.m., they gave 14 times the initial dose of medication. 11.25, benzodiazepam, that's, uh, oh, Cirax and uh, Valium and that type of thing. Uh, three doses within three minutes. Stops the central nervous system. Followed up with what? Morphine on top of that. 7.20 p.m., Sister Jessica panicked when the vital signs dropped. She hung on until 7.20 p.m. That's amazing. Nurses refused to enter. They said, we have DNR, do not resuscitate. There was no D D N R seven twenty seven. She died. Of course, they put her to sleep with all of these central nervous system depressing drugs. Fourteen times the, the initial dose, then three doses within three minutes of Valium. That's enough to kill a horse, isn't it? That well, and I don't know as far as that dosing goes, but I certainly know when I first read the story, my my reaction was just I was speechless. I thought, oh, you know, why, why would they do? That kind of a thing. Now, I will say, she did have a DNR, which was ordered unilaterally by the doctor, according to the hospital records that Scott obtained after Grace's death. Well, let's talk uh, about the hospital records. It had 36 references in the medical records to Down syndrome, 22 in the doctor's report. The hospital refused to meet with Scott, the father, Cindy, the mother. They had different treatments for Medicare and Medicaid patients. In other words, if you're on Medicare or Medicaid, they had different treatments for that. This is absolutely incredible. This is one hospital. How many hospitals is this happening? We don't know, do we? Right. And, well, we, we, could, we could make a good guess if we had enough time to do the research because the uh, 2020 Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, which is just an Orwellian name, uh, especially right. because – the acronym is CARES, as well as the Centers for Medicaid, Medicare and Medicaid Services have what many describe as hospital incentive payment, hospital incentive payments for oh. hospitals who who have positive diagnoses of COVID and deaths from COVID. If they have recovery from COVID, they don't get a payment. If they have a death from COVID, they get a bonus payment. If they have used remdesivir, during the process and the patients on Medicare or Medicaid, CMS will pay them a 20% bonus over the entire hospital bill. And I mean, so you have to go, is this an incentive? Again, all of these things are questions that the family is asking and lots of families are asking because this isn't just the sheriff in, in Wisconsin. This is tons and tons, hundreds and hundreds of people are asking these questions. And you can go, you can read their um, their cases on a website called protocolkills.com. And I feature that, too, in this cover story. Um, I, I wasn't able to feature many stories. Obviously, I focused on the Shara's story. 
um, as just one example. But the thing is, all everything that Scott reported as having ha- happened, everything that he actually saw, which is unusual for someone because most people aren't allowed to have family in the COVID wards of hospitals, right? Right. But he got to see it firsthand until they kicked him out. They said that they kicked him out because he was turning off those hospital alarms. Later, he got a letter saying that he was kicked out because he had COVID. Well, they had told him he was probably going to catch COVID as the patient advocate in a COVID ward. And in fact, he had tested positive for COVID three days before they kicked him out of the hospital. What he believes is there, and this is what he told me, they were pressing for Grace to go on to be intubated, to go on a ventilator. And he kept refusing it because he asked the doctor point blank, what is the likelihood of her recovery? And the doctor admitted to him, again, this is what he told me, the doctor admitted to him that there wasn't a great recovery rate, that there wasn't a great survival rate when patients went on ventilators. Was it after after 90 hours, the recovery rate is like 15%, that's it? I mean, it isn't very great, right. Something like that, 96 hours, I think, is what the, the research, is the research that I've read. But, you know, Scott, Scott had brought from home his his little store-bought, you know, Walgreens or wherever he bought it, the little pulse oximeter that you can put on your finger, and it shows you what percentage uh, saturation of oxygen right. in your right. blood. And it should be above 95%. And in healthy people, normal healthy people, it's going to be above 95%. He had right. it on Grace's hand, and it was hovering at, that, at this point when they're asking for intubation, he, it was hovering between 90 and 95 that's not bad. You know, I mean, she had a respiratory virus. Okay. We'll take a break. We'll take a break right now. We'll be right back to talk about the oxygen. The Biden administration is quickly moving to implement the liberal fantasy of socialist spending. After spending a $2.1 trillion stimulus, the president and Democratic-led Congress have introduced another $3 trillion plan to add to our insurmountable debt, seeking to raise taxes on Americans making as little as 200000 a year. Have you seen the immigration footage? $87 million putting illegals in hotel rooms and our troops sleeping on parking garage floors. Could this be the biggest single gold-buying opportunity in history? Well, Wells Fargo and Gold Goldman Sachs say this is the time to buy gold. Patriot Gold Group, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver, and you may qualify for no fee for life IRA. Call 800-356-4470 for details. Patriot Gold Group, Consumer Affairs top-rated gold IRA dealer, five years running. Call 800-356-4470 today. The nurses told Grace's father that the uh, test for oxygen at the hospital always in error. They have made mistakes. But 85% death rate after 96 hours on the ventilator. Four times they wanted to put the poor girl on the ventilator. Now, Nicole Sirotek, uh, founder of the American Frontline Nurses, said she never saw any patient die from COVID. Many died from neglect and medical malfeasance. That says a lot, doesn't it? It certainly does. And she just said that in this past January on Capitol Hill during testimony that she gave. It took a lot of courage for her to do that, didn't it? 
It did. She was the nurse who was made famous. She went viral in 2020 because she was crying and in New York in a hospital where she had gone to help with the COVID pandemic. And she said that she didn't see a single patient die of COVID, that she's seen a substantial number of patients die of negligence and medical malfeasance. Now, she was there on Capitol Hill giving that testimony, surrounded by a number of other nurses who were with her, and every single one of them were nodding their heads in agreement. And that says a lot. I don't think in a situation like that where she's giving testimony before the Senate that she would be prone to exaggerate. And it isn't often in life that you can say something so absolute. She might have said, well, some did die of COVID, but a lot of them died of this. No, that's not what she said. She said, I didn't see a single patient die of COVID. And Uh, and if you go look up her viral video that – it's very it's very compelling because she was lamenting that she could not. She was taken off patient cases when her patients were doing better under her care. Over a year ago, I said people are dying with COVID, not from COVID. And I think that's a pretty accurate statement. Now, we're going to go over this really quick. I want to go over ventilators. They're not for patient health. And the fact of the matter is patients on ventilators, a lot of times they're not bathed, they're not fed, they get no water, and they're not turned. I mean, they're isolated for hours, no human contact. You said this is worse than anybody treated in any prison. Dr. Lee Vallee, who's a friend of mine down in uh, Tucson, you know Dr. Vallee, and she mm-hmm. said the same thing. She was talking about that. She has humane ways to take care of people, not not what they're doing. She tries other ways. Another friend of mine, Meryl Nass. Uh, they want to get her license for prescribing ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. They're going after licenses for approved drugs, which help. This is insanity. This is absolutely insanity. You know that. Right. And there are a lot of patients who can't, who have had vaccine side effects. You can't oh. get their doctors to write them, um, to write them, you know, excuses to get them out of boosters you know, booster requirements and vaccine mandates because the doctors are concerned about losing their licenses. Yeah, we've talked about the the so-called, as uh, Jane Oria called it, the clot shots. And the problem with that, people do get these clots afterwards, and they also affect the heart of younger people. I mean, it's absolutely insane. Let's go over some of the things you said you talked about. You call it Biden's bounty on your life. Big payoff federal uh, follow federal COVID protocols. Uh, it isn't for patient health. They get um, PCR tests in the ER, every patient, paid for by the government. Bonus cash for COVID-positive diagnosis. Bonus cash for COVID-19 hospital admission. 20% yep. boost bonus if they use remdesivir versus ivermectin. Bonus if they put on a ventilator. More money if the cause of death is listed by COVID-19. COVID-19 diagnosis to get extra payment to the coroner in other words once you're in the hospital there's no reason to keep you alive except to get extra money because if you get a covid diagnosis uh they're gonna make money off of that and they don't even care if you live or not they got the diagnosis and they get a bonus if you die from covid because of death is listed covid i mean there are bonuses to kill people 
Right. And I have to say, too, I wow. stand up for some. There are some hospitals. There are some good hospitals that do treat COVID patients well. In fact, Scott Shera told me that three days after Grace died, he had to go to the hospital with COVID as well. He did not go to the same hospital where Grace was where Grace died, and he was treated well and went home healthy. So it's we'll not be right all back. We'll be right back. Not all. The Biden administration is quickly moving to implement the liberal fantasy of socialist spending. After spending a $2.1 trillion stimulus, the president and Democratic-led Congress have introduced another $3 trillion plan to add to our insurmountable debt, seeking to raise taxes on Americans making as little as 200000 a year. Have you seen the immigration footage? $87 million putting illegals in hotel rooms and our troops sleeping on parking garage floors. Could this be the biggest single Gold buying opportunity in history? Well, Wells Fargo and Goldman Sachs say this is the time to buy gold. Patriot Gold Group, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver, and you may qualify for no fee for life IRA. Call 800-356-4470 for details. Patriot Gold Group, Consumer Affairs top-rated gold IRA dealer, five years running. Call 800-356-4470 today. Rebecca Terrell, you follow the money. That is a real key. You are a true investigative reporter. There are very few. You're a true journalist. I have never read anybody who did as much research. Only one other person does as much research as you, and that's Dr. Charles Simone. And Remdesivir, you really hit this. Experimental emergency use only, pushed by who? Dr. Fauci. Big surprise. Caused extensive kidney damage. Five months prior, the New England Journal of Medicine study said it doesn't work against Ebola. 50% of the patients died early. Uh, China, article in Lancet, remdesivir not associated with statistically significant clinical benefits. Increased death, increased kidney failure. In other words, killing patients uh, incentivized by the government. And who benefited Gilead Pharmaceutical? First nine months, $4.2 billion, billion. People are making so much money off of COVID. Bill Gates, in one month, made $200 billion off of the COVID shot. NIH medical experts, 40% stock, uh, the advisors and the consultants, to the drug companies. Seven of them tied to Gilead. One's on their advisory panel. These people have a vested interest. Isn't there conflicts of interest in medicine as well as in judiciary? Shouldn't we be investigating the investigators at this point? What do you think, Rebecca? Absolutely. I I think that you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we look at remdesivir, which is the reason Fauci was pushing remdesivir before COVID was right. supposedly nobody, discovered. Nobody's talking about the money connection. You put right. the money connection. These people are making millions, if not billions of dollars off of this worthless drug that they're giving to people that actually does harm. When there are That's drugs right. that work, uh, hydroxy works, ivermectin works, and they're not giving it to them. They're forbidding them to take it. People are dying because they are forbidden. 
one nurse in Florida was uh, there after her license because she suggested to a patient with COVID that she should take ivermectin. The patient died. They wouldn't allow it into the hospital. That is mm-hmm. that, that is just sad. It's like uh, poor Grace. There are Graces all over the country happening every day. There are, and Scott um, postulates that that has to do with uh, the fact that Medicare and Medicaid are, as we know, bankrupt. And, of course, we have the baby boomers that are flooding the system now, and uh, they, they've got to do something. I mean, he, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fair question to ask. Again, it's something that he wants the answer to, and all of us want the answer to. But I think what I want, going back to what I was talking about earlier, people need to be savvy. I'm not saying to question everything that your doctor does or question every single thing your nurse does, but be savvy. He wishes now that when he put that fingertip pulse oximeter on his daughter and saw an oxygen level above 90%, right. he wishes he had realized, look, tell your doctor, I want to leave. I want to go home with oxygen because she needed some oxygen. She needed to get above 95%. But she's classified as an ICU patient because she's on this ICU sedative, which he didn't know. Scott says he didn't know that. She was on it for four days. She she wasn't supposed to be on it for longer than 24 hours. And and that was what he, he figured out later. He thinks that they put her on that sedative to get her ready to intubate her as soon as he gave permission but also to classify her as ICU so it would be harder for the family to take her out of the hospital had they tried because, you know, as an ICU patient, it wouldn't be as easy. And so what he would have done then, had he known what he knows now, is take her home on oxygen and treat her at home. They had been using ivermectin at home, actually, and that's why Cindy's case didn't get bad at all. Cindy never got super sick. Scott said he has an inflammatory condition that is genetic, and he passed it on to Grace, and that's why ivermectin wasn't working for them as well. And it doesn't work for every single person. You know, it's not, but it is, there are way too many doctors who've called it a miracle drug. I've seen it happen. I had a, had a friend who I got there some, and uh, she yeah. was on her deathbed. She thought, I said, don't go to the hospital. Tried it uh, on the, it, it worked immediately. But not yeah. curing, not curing. You take a five-day course of it. On the fourth day, she was still coughing, still didn't feel great. On the fifth sure. day, took her last course, and she was up and doing great. A little weak, but she was up and doing great. The coffee had stopped and everything. Now, you key to this, and what I want people to take away from this article that you've written, you've got to be proactive when it comes to medicine. You've got yes. to be proactive. If somebody has a disease... Go to a doctor you can trust. Read up on it. If it's cancer, if it's heart problem, if it is uh, COVID, read up on it. And if they're not doing the right thing in the hospital, you have a right to check the person out or the person has a right to check out. And you may have to sign a form that you're checking out AMA against medical advice. Do it. It's your life. It's life and death. Now, the other thing that you got into that was just uh, astonishing to me Rebecca Terrell, you are such a great reporter, such a great journalist. You talked about Dr. Zeke Emanuel. He said their priority is young people versus old who have lived a long life anyway. Healthcare rationing based on age, 
based on disability. That's what it's all about in the article. And uh, he was appointed by Biden on the Dr. Death panel. Emmanuel was named to the Transitional COVID-19 Advisory Board in 2020. What a what a weird, weird thing to do. His priorities are medical care with uh, instrumental value and reasonable life expectancy. Elderly, disabled, you don't need to apply. I mean, this, and Fauci praises him. Of course, he praises uh, Zeke Emanuel. Of course, his brother was uh, mayor of uh, Chicago. Did a great job, right? So this is this is just incredible, the incestuousness of it. But it, it's valuable uh, life value and reasonable life expectancy. In other words, if you're older, forget it. If you're disabled, forget it. You're not contributing to the great society, are you? No, this is not not the America we grew up in. This is more like Nazi Germany, isn't it? It really is, and it's funny to see throughout history the way if if they get blocked, if ah. these insiders get blocked in one pathway to achieving their aims, they go another pathway. Because right, you just brought up right. Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel. He was the one who was behind the independent payment advisory boards that were set up under Obamacare. Now, right. Congress actually Congress passed that, but in 2018 repealed it. If they had not repealed it, we would have already had this death, death by... That was what Sarah Palin called it, his death panel, because they had unchecked control over decisions to provide or withhold treatments in order to control Medicare and Medicaid spending. Now, when your health care is subject to a bureaucrat's decision over finances, that's when you should start to get nervous. But that's what we're seeing right here, because we actually have that same kind of advisory board behind the scenes, nobody's talking about it, and it's the COVID advisory board, and they're the ones who are dictating what these hospital protocols do and what's on the hospital protocol. Why is remdesivir, which is supposedly the only antiviral, however, the World Health Organization, which I'm not quoting them as (laughs) that. You know, don't don't think that I that I actually like the World Health Organization, but even who has said do not use remdesivir no matter how severe your COVID case is. Right. And yet this advisory panel for COVID has said remdesivir and remdesivir only. Do not ever use hydroxychloroquine. Do not ever use ivermectin, budesonide, any of the other uh, even monoclonal antibodies, which how long have all of these things been around? We right. do know these have long-term safety and efficacy records. Remdesivir has a record now, of fraudulent trials, it, pushing it through to emergency use authorization. So does, so does Pfizer. So does Moderna with their... Uh the things that they hid regarding their shots, uh, over 1,450 uh, problems that they found. They wanted to keep that hidden for 55, 60 years. Right. So, I mean, this is this is just It was incredible. 76. It was actually 76 years. And I don't know oh, how okay. many of us alive now would have been alive then. Right. You know, they... <laughs> it's like but... a Kennedy assassination. We'll release it in another 50 years or 60, 70 years. 
I mean, right. But what we already know from because the judge ordered that they know they have to release that before the end of this year. They have to release all of the paperwork and they have to release it in chunks uh, by the first of every month. And what we know already is already right. They, Pfizer was overwhelmed with side effects, very serious right. adverse side effects, in just the first two months of the vaccine rollout. They had to hire 600 additional full-time staffers just to handle adverse events reports. And right. they anticipated hiring another 1,200 by mid-year, and that was in the first year of the vaccine rollout. And the more boosters you get, the more it damages your immune system. So that's all the whole thing. But when they're making so much money, so much money. Now, Bill Gates said he wanted to reduce the population. The Georgia Guidestones talks about reducing the population to 500 million. You've got all sorts of different signs that the New World Order and the globalists want to reduce the population. What could be better than a virus? What could be better than the COVID? Shut down the entire country, closed everything, stopped it, uh, put people in a panic, put people in fear. When people are afraid, what happens? They lose their common sense. That's what's happened to our country. Now, the uh, protocol itself kills. Uh, the states have to follow the protocol. The hospitals have to follow it. If they follow it, state like West Virginia, they're getting 471000 per patient. Is that true? Is that the number average? $171,000 they are getting from the government per patient um, in the country. Is that true? That is what I took the data from that site. They had reviewed all oh my of they had, God. They had so, reviewed all of the CARES Act and all of the CMS payments. And they had documented all of that from very valid sources. Uh, and and posted that on the website. So I took that and I did a little analysis of it. And yes, oh. 171,000 was the average among states. Okay. So, so, the so it pays one. somebody to diagnose them with COVID, whether they yeah. have it or not. So the figures why, we're seeing are, are not right. Right. Well, that's why if you go to the hospital for anything, if you're in a car wreck and you go to the hospital, they will administer a, a PCR test. Now, the PCR test is going to find anything in anyone, and that's not me saying that. That's the man who invented the PCR test said that. So, you know, so we have all of these admittedly, uh, and many doctors have admitted this, uh, false positives are very rampant with the PCR test. So if you get a positive diagnosis, yes, the hospital gets another payment. They get a payment for administering the test, a payment for a positive diagnosis, a patient payment for an admission with a COVID diagnosis, even if it, even if the primary reason for being in the hospital is not COVID, as long as there's a diagnosis of COVID. So that, yes, the, the hospital has, hospitals have an amazing number of incentives. And like I said before, not every hospital is doing this, but the hospitals who are, are getting these payments. And then you have to question, you know, are they really concerned about my health or are they concerned about their bottom line? It's a it's a legitimate question, and again, it deserves a fair hearing, and it deserves not to be shut down with all this censorship and demonization and threatening people with their livelihoods and threatening doctors and nurses who who come out threatening their licenses and their ability to earn a living in in the professions that they love, and that should be free from government interference. Why why is healthcare so regulated? 
if our dry cleaning were this regulated and our lawn care were this regulated, any other service, any other service, pick it. We would go, what? That's crazy. Why do we let the government step into our health care, which is affecting, it's not affecting our lawns or our dry cleaning, it's affecting our own bodies. We've got to stop, we've got to stop this nanny state mentality that we all have of, oh, the federal government, we have to, the federal government has to take care of it. No, no, the federal government has to stay out of it. Our constitution says that. Our constitution is a list of specifically what the government can do. And the Bill of Rights is a Ten Commandments for the federal government, not for us. It's thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not infringe upon this right, infringe upon this right, infringe upon And then nine and ten cover everything else because ten, God bless them, it says if we forgot anything here, you can't do that either. And we have got to get back to that. It's not just about money, but a lot of it is. Protocol Kills is a great website to go to. But when you're looking at this, right now, we cannot be bystanders. We've got to be active. Our lives depend on it, and the lives of those we care for depend on it. Absolutely, and it isn't just the money. It really isn't just the money, because when I first heard about transhumanism, I was like, oh, that's a bunch of bull. It's not. They are planning it. The insiders are planning that. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is quickly moving to implement the liberal fantasy of socialist spending. After spending a $2.1 trillion stimulus, the president and Democratic-led Congress have introduced another $3 trillion plan to add to our insurmountable debt, seeking to raise taxes on Americans making as little as $200,000 a year. Have you seen the immigration footage? $87 putting illegals in hotel rooms and our troops sleeping on parking garage floors. Could this be the biggest single gold-buying opportunity in history? Well, Wells Fargo and Goldman Sachs say this is the time to buy gold. Patriot Gold Group, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver, and you may qualify for no-fee-for-life IRA. Call 800-356-4470 for details. Patriot Gold Group, Consumer Affairs top-rated gold IRA dealer, five years running. Call 800-356-4470 today. It's not all about the money. Not all about the money. Rebecca Terrell talks about that. But money is important. And uh, Grace uh, Shira, her father, said once the family refused the ventilator, which they did four different times, her father said it's probable that Grace was worth more of the hospital dead than alive. Her Medicaid invoice showed the facilities paid $1,680 a day since she was not on a ventilator. The bonus for her death was 13000 Had she been cured, they would have received zero. Estimates that the health care system, which the hospital belongs, raked in $8.4 billion in CARES Act bonuses and COVID death payments in one year alone. I rested my case right on that. You rested your case on that. Uh, cutting the apron strings will provide the healthiest cure for COVID. This has been, is it a scam, what you call that? I think it's about control and manipulation of the people. I think it's also about depopulation in, in a grand scheme. Right, you know, right. talking I, about. Well, after, we're, reading we're talking the, about- after reading this article, 
I've been speculating with people. I said, they're trying to kill people. They're trying to depopulate. And Big Gates and others talked about that. But after reading your article, you brought it home. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. They are trying to kill people. The useless people, the old people, the disabled. Right. Those who can't contribute to society who aren't perfect like them. Right. Again, and if they aren't doing it, why not have debates? Why not have open public debates? Why not have There's the other question. Now, I got banned from uh, uh, Twitter and a bunch of places a long time ago when I talked about ivermectin and talked about the hydroxychloroquine. And they said two things. They said, number one, you're not going according to the protocols of the World Health Organization. Don't you know that? And I'm thinking, yeah, I know that. I don't care. I'm talking medical doctors who are some of the best in their field. And they said, and it isn't according to the medical consensus. Are they have destroyed science? Of course, we know science is Dr. Fauci, and they have also destroyed the medical field. A lot of people don't want to go into medicine now. You've got Dr. Jill Biden, who isn't even a medical doctor, having more concern and having more to say about medicine than an actual doctor. This is crazy, isn't it? Yes. Isn't it, Rebecca? It really is. And I have to say, too, I actually am a nurse. I have a a nursing license and I do not practice anymore. I was already out of the nursing field before COVID hit, but I was very, very glad of that. And to tell you, my mother, my mother was a nurse. My wife is a nurse. They both are RNs. And uh, yeah, it's not the not the same profession that they were in before. You win that because you cared. You didn't go into it for the money. You went into it because you cared. And it's not the same right now. It's not the same anymore. It absolutely isn't. And I I certainly am glad I'm not in it just from a sense of, you know, I love, you know, the vaccine mandates and all of this. It's not that I wouldn't love to be still be taking care of patients. That that's the nice part of nursing, but all of the bureaucracy, all of the, all of the federal control of the entire bureaucratic, uh, I mean, and and pharmaceutical companies too, their control over telling doctors how to treat their patients. Right, that, and and it used to be that they give golf course uh, golf trip if they prescribe something. Now they've got it institutionalized where the politicians are getting the money, and they are no longer no longer being able to write for what they want to. The politicians are controlling them. They can't do what's best. It should be should do no harm. They, they can't even follow their own Hippocratic oath anymore, can they, Rebecca? Right. And how can bureaucrats in Washington dictate with one uniform protocol what's good for every single person out there? It, right. it defies common sense. It's just not it's just not true for anything, for any no. condition, COVID or anything else. Doctors and patients decide together what kind of treatment is best for that particular patient's needs. One size doesn't fit all. And I like to say we're, this is this goes against the narrative. The socialists believe in collective. I believe yes. and you believe in the individual. And I believe God does because billions of people, no two, even identical twins, have the same fingerprints. We're all individuals and our systems are all individual. That's why you need to see a doctor who can look at you and say, Yes, this probably worked for you. Need to know what drugs you can take, what you can't take. And this is why it's so important. There's nothing more individual or more important than your health. And uh, having a doctor who can identify you as a person, not as a number. Absolutely. 
Amen. But we but we do have the ability to take our country back, and it's because the Constitution is still here. They are trying to get rid of it. They're going for these con-cons all through every state. They're trying to get the states to call for a constitutional convention to rewrite our Constitution. We have to pull out all the stuff and stop them. Thank you, Rebecca Terrell. God bless you for all you're doing. All aboard the Truth Express. You can listen on your favorite podcast app or local radio station. Patriot Gold Group, Consumer Affairs operated five years running for your IRA or 401k. Call 800-356-4470 today. All aboard the Truth Express with your conductors, Erskine and Karen, who give you the latest on national news, politics, policies, business, and government issues. Oh, wow. We have an express train right now, right to the truth. Claire Lopez is the founder, president of Lopez Liberty, LLC, mission to educate Americans to the national security threat from the Islamic movement, Muslim Brotherhood. It's collaborators among the ranks of Marxists and communists. It's a red-green coalition between the communists and the uh, Muslims that we have going on. She's former career operations officer with the CIA. Uh, she has done so much. Uh, political analyst for Ravina Associates, strategic corporate communications firm. 2014-2020, uh, vice president of research and analysis for Center for Strate- Security Policy. Senior Fellow at the London Center for Policy Research. Uh, She has done just one thing on top of another. She worked on the Board of Advisors for Canadian McKinsey Institute. 2016, named to Senator Ted Cruz's presidential campaign, National Security. uh, What we're going to talk about is red-green access, understanding the threat, the global Islamic movement, jihad networks. We saw that with with what happened. Uh, in the synagogue attack. We saw how vulnerable we are, and we saw how some of the people who've been in here have not been vetted. They're bringing people in from a lot of these countries who are clear and present danger to the U.S., 150 different countries crossing in Mexico, people coming from Afghanistan not vetted. This is a security threat on the highest level, isn't it, Claire? Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. What, what, well, I know what we can do about it. We can start vetting people. We can close the borders off. But they don't seem to want to do it. When are, is America going to wake up? Well, you know, the thing is, I think most of America, Americans, are awake. It's the leadership. It's the leadership that have been elected to uh, federal, state, even local levels of, of, of uh, you know, officials. Um. And it's those who are directing our institutions right now. That's the problem. We are in we are in danger. We are in a lot of danger with this going on. We've also got uh, people in the Congress who are sitting on important committees, and these are people who do not owe their allegiance to the U.S. They're people of Muslim extraction. I'm not saying all Muslims are bad, but we've got some people there who are absolutely leftists who are sitting in Congress uh, and taking oaths of office when you know they aren't following that. 
What can we do about that? We have too open a society, and they're using our openness against us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, certainly uh, for for official positions uh, for which the office holder must raise the right hand and pledge allegiance to the Constitution of the United States, those officials cannot have contradicting loyalties to other uh, legal systems like Sharia. Right. And when they do, that's a problem. But My the, the problem would you. have to be addressed at the at the level of those who vote for them, and then, of course, those who might be, um, you know, have to be confirmed in front of a Senate committee, for example, would have to be asked the appropriate questions. The appropriate questions. Should we not uh, require on anybody running for office that they have a security clearance? Well, I think that depends on the level of the office and, and, and where you're running for. I mean, you well, know, if you're running council, for Congress, if you're running for Senate, for should you not at least have a security clearance that would uh, qualify you to either go to another country or to uh, be in the military or one of those things? Because I know they, they required security clearances for all sorts of things. I've had two or three of them. And uh, just to go to Canada... Had to get if you wanted to be a part-time resident, you had to have a security clearance. You know that you lived there. Well, no, I, I never lived in Canada, but but you're absolutely right about um, the, the 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 advisability, I would say, right, um, of of congressional members undergoing a background check and being given a security clearance. At a minimum, those members of Congress serving on the key committees like right. foreign relations, intelligence, uh, and, and a few more. But they don't right now. They don't. Now, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about, and this is something that nobody's talking about, is that the U.S. intercepted a Houthi missile attack targeting Abu Dhabi. Two missiles uh, from Yemen, the Houthi rebels. Uh, we've got 2,000 troops there, Al-Dafra Air Base, uh, they returned fire with Patriot missiles. Foreign companies and investors were ordered to leave Abu Dhabi, the Emirates, as it's unsafe. Americans were issued on a security alert. The fuel depots hit, three were killed. Now, Abu Dhabi controls all the communications for most of the uh, financial issues that happen in Europe. This is a strategic area. This Is this Iran declaring war on Abu Dhabi and tacitly on uh, just declaring a war. Is this what's happening? And a lot of that has to do with uh, we're allowing Iran to go on with the nuclear nuclear explosives, uh, not just tests, but they're ready to have the bomb. So is this a, Iran flexing their muscles in a position where they feel like they can get by with anything? Is that what's going on? Well, it sure looks like it, doesn't it? Um, I mean, one of the first steps of the Biden administration when it came into office was to remove the Iran-backed Shiite um, Yemen, Yemeni militias, uh, the, the, the Houthis, right. from the foreign terrorist organization list. So that was their green Why light. Why would you do that? Why would you remove them from the foreign uh, list? I mean, why would, why would anybody? Well, if you think about the nuclear talks ongoing among, not really the United States, because they're sitting out in the hallway, but they're there, uh, the European uh, parties to the, to the JCPOA, Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, um, and Iran. If you think about those talks going on, 
and the and and the absolutely piteous uh, posture of the Biden administration, begging on their hands and knees to be allowed back into that agreement, right, right. which President Trump took the United States out of in May of 2018. This perhaps could give us an idea of why the Biden administration would remove the Houthis from the foreign terrorist organizations list. And, of course, they, they see that, Iran sees that, the Houthis see that as a green light to go on the offensive, um, uh, certainly against um, Saudi Arabia, which has been going on for a long time, but now Abu Dhabi as well, um, which, by the way, is one of the first um, signatories and members of the Abraham Accords. Right. Another reason that Iran wants to go after them. Well, Iran's ultimate target is to go after Israel. Now, if you're sitting in Israel, aren't you saying, oh, my God, we are in serious trouble with this? Wouldn't you think, Karen, that you would be? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, Israel has been uh, warning about this for ages. Right, Claire? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, Israel Israel's going to take care of itself. Um, you know, they they... They understand the meaning of never again, and we've just oh, okay. uh, commemorated. Well, we uh, hope they do. Holocaust we hope again, they right? do. They're vaccinating all their people, uh, so but that's another issue. Uh, yeah, you know, but, God but willing, as, they understand. Yeah, defending against, um, you know, the aggressive jihadist Islamic Republic of Iran. Uh, I think Israel probably has the best understanding, best uh, intelligence assessment of where Iran is with regard to its nuclear weapons program. And Israel, uh, long ago, began taking steps to ensure they're prepared to meet that, that threat. But there's the other part of that threat, of course, is Iran's, the Iranian regime's support for proxies, for jihadist proxy groups, all around the Arabian Peninsula. I think it was Soleimani, the, the, the former, right. um, uh, you know, late um, commander of the Quds Force, the, the said one that they were constructing a ring of the one fire that Trump around killed. The, the peninsula. Right. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, but, but now these, you've got these, another thing I wanted to ask you about. Now, you're talking about there, but you're, there's one thing that you wrote about that I've got to bring up. You also wrote about the Iran-Venezuela relationship. Now, that's bringing it right here on our doorstep, isn't it? It absolutely is, and that also is calculated uh, and of long standing. So in the early 1980s, as Hezbollah, the southern Lebanese, well, now all of Lebanon, uh, Shiite terror proxy of, of the Iranian right. regime was, was uh, forming, um, they were also at that point in time in the midst of that horrific Lebanese civil war. And many Lebanese fled the country in all directions, but a lot of them came to South America. And among that flow, obviously, uh, Hezbollah operatives were inserted. And they found their foothold in, first of all, the tri-border area of South America, which is the place where Argentina, Brazil, and Paraguay and their borders meet there. But they spread out then. They, they expanded over the, over the decades to the point where uh, certainly during the 2008 until 2013 uh, administrations um, of Mahmoud Ahmadinejad in Iran and of Hugo Chavez in Venezuela, um, that relationship became a close one. 
and Chavez allowed Iran and Hezbollah to set up shop, essentially, in Venezuela. Narco-trafficking, criminality of all kinds, um, and many, many business fronts, fronts that uh, helped Iran to evade uh, international financial sanctions, for example. Um, but that relationship took hold then and expanded ever since to the point now where Venezuela essentially not only is a collapsed, a failed uh, socialist state, well, practically communist, right? But it's also a narco oh, state. Yeah. Wow, what a combination. There's another thing I wanted to bring up. I've got five things I wanted to talk with you about. Uh, number four is North Korea and the EMP weaponry that they have. They have uh, EMP weaponry. We don't have a lot of defense against EMPs in this country, do we? Well, uh, Dr. Peter Vincent Pry, of course, talks about this a lot, and I've, I've yeah, learned I've had most Dr. of what Pry I know on. about this I've had him from on. He's him. He's very good, right. Fantastic. So an EMP stands for electromagnetic pulse, and it's, right. it's um, essentially uh, a barrage of of uh, electromagnetic waves that hit the Earth. Now, this now can they be can, generated they can by the sun. Natura- they can happen naturally from the sun. Yes, and these, has can, these can be the generated by the effect. sun in a coronal mass ejection. Right. Uh, and it will be. It has been in the past and will be again, and we can't predict when exactly. Uh, but otherwise, uh, an EMP effect can be generated by a, the detonation of a nuclear warhead in the high atmosphere, somewhere between, I don't know, 50 and 500 kilometers up. Yeah, about and 250 kilometers happen, up, and uh, if you put one between Washington and uh, Philadelphia, it'd knock off, out all communication. Well, here's the thing, and Peter talks about this, um, that depending on the altitude, of course, depends uh, right. uh, you know, how far the effects will, will, will uh, be, be expanded. Um, but the problem is that the United States electric grid, the civilian electric grid, is not hardened. It's not protected. No. Um, it's not safeguarded. And over and over and over again for decades, people like Dr. Peter Vincent Pry, uh, like former Ambassador Hank Cooper, and, right. and so William Graham and so many more, um, tried and tried and tried to get the, the, the U.S. government um, to mandate protection of the civilian electric grid. All you have to do is put it underground. That's all you have to do with well, it. Well, no, that's not all. There's more, because these waves can reach underground. Let's talk a little more about that when we get back with Claire Lopez. The Biden administration is quickly moving to implement the liberal fantasy of socialist spending. After spending a $2.1 trillion stimulus, the president and Democratic-led Congress have introduced another $3 trillion plan to add to our insurmountable debt, seeking to raise taxes on Americans making as little as 200000 a year. Have you seen the immigration footage? $87 million putting illegals in hotel rooms and our troops sleeping on parking garage floors. Could this be the biggest single gold-buying opportunity in history? Well, Wells Fargo and Gold Goldman Sachs say this is the time to buy gold. Patriot Gold Group, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver, and you may qualify for no fee for life IRA. Call 800-356-4470 for details. Patriot Gold Group, Consumer Affairs top-rated gold IRA dealer, five years running. Call 800-356-4470 today. With Claire Lopez. Claire, 
Just really quick, what does the Center for uh, Security Policy do exactly? Well, of course, as you know, I'm, I, I've not been with them for the last two years. I got kicked out in uh, early 2020. Um, but they uh, have been a, uh, a sort of a think tank, I guess, um, with a focus on national security um, topics. Now, who and, are you with right now? Who are you working with? Just yourself? Uh, a number of people, um, but but let me add to the list. Um, I'm working uh, with the Near East Center for Strategic Engagement as a senior advisory board member. Wow. That group led by Sarja Sangari. Um, I also do uh, some writing for the David Horowitz Freedom Center uh, through Front Page Magazine online and videos um, the Glazoff Gang with Jamie Glazoff. Right. Um, and uh, I speak uh, around the country on, on lots of these topics that we're touching on right now. Now, what can be done for the EMPs? We were talking about the what yeah. can be done. You so, say putting it underground isn't enough. No, it's not enough. The, the underground uh, elements also need to be hardened, and, and uh, Peter is the expert on how to do that, but that's not been done to date. Nothing's been um, done, and and the problem is, if uh, we have an EMP device or an EMP from the sun happens, uh, it'll knock out all the transformers, and they don't make any here. It could set us back into the Stone Age virtually. Well, literally, yeah, because um, as you say, these these great big transformers and the substations and all of that. Much of that not only is extremely complicated, expensive, and takes a long time to build even one of them. We don't produce all of that in the United States. They're produced no. in places like Germany and Taiwan. Right. Um, but but here's the thing. Even were um, a, a limited area uh, EMP effect to, to hit the Earth, to hit the United States, um, because of a cascading effect uh, down the line, as it were, um, the entire grid could go down. Now, the United States has an interlocking grid, actually, of three grids, right, the eastern right. one, the western one, and the Texas one. But some of um, the experts, have, like, like Ambassador Hank Cooper, working uh, in, uh, in South Carolina, um, I think that the best way to, to go about this may be for each individual state to harden itself right. and to take the steps that each state needs to take to, be, uh, to survive. Uh, an EMP um, uh, attack or, you know, CM, uh, CME. Um, but that's not happening at a very rapid uh, pace either at the moment. Nobody's doing anything on it. Nobody's doing anything. Well, I wouldn't say that nobody's doing anything. Certainly in places like South Carolina, they are. Right. Texas has a standalone uh, grid, but, of course, you know, they've, they've been wooed uh, by the windmills and the, 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 the sun. Right. Um, Solar panels. We um, saw what happened to Texas last year. We saw what happened year. to that. Um, but other places have been very slow um, to, to, to do what they need to do. And the reason for all of that, people might ask, why seems so important, and it is, um, is that the power and utilities industries are very powerful, and they're also very big donors to our elected officials. Oh, here we go again. Yeah. Now, you mentioned a key word. You mentioned Taiwan. And uh, Taiwan, a lot of us believe that after uh, the Olympics, Taiwan will be invaded. What do you think? It's possible. Um, the threat is certainly there. It's very real. Um, but I think there's 
a possibility at least um, that it will not happen then. Um, and part of that reason is that the current leader of the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, Xi Jinping, right. wants to run for an unprecedented third five-year term as the party leader. Before him, all of the party leaders served two terms of five years each, and then that's it. Right. He has served two terms. He wants to run for a third. Those elections are to be held in November of this year, 2022. It may be that he would not want the complications of a Taiwan invasion to disrupt uh, that ambition of his. Let's hope. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is quickly moving to implement the liberal fantasy of socialist spending. After spending a $2.1 trillion stimulus, the president and Democratic-led Congress have introduced another $3 trillion plan to add to our insurmountable debt, seeking to raise taxes on Americans making as little as 200000 a year. Have you seen the immigration footage? $87 million putting illegals in hotel rooms and our troops sleeping on parking garage floors. Could this be the biggest single gold buying opportunity in history? Well, Wells Fargo and Gold Goldman Sachs say this is the time to buy gold. Patriot Gold Group, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver, and you may qualify for no fee for life IRA. Call 800-356-4470 for details. Patriot Gold Group, Consumer Affairs top rated gold IRA dealer, five years running. Call 800-356-4470 today. You know what we haven't talked about, Claire? That is, we have not talked about, and I'd like for uh, uh, Karen to join in, we have not talked about Russia and the Ukraine. And people are all upset about that. The guy who's president of the Ukraine doesn't seem to be upset, but uh, President Biden seems to be really upset. What's going on? What is going on? Karen, you going to jump in, or shall I? Oh, uh, I want to hear what you have to say, then I will most certainly jump in. Okay, sure. So um, the situation at the current time is this. There are over 100,000 Russian troops, maybe 120,000, maybe 150,000. The numbers are different depending on what you look at. A bunch, a bunch, a whole lot of them, right. A lot. And they're both on the eastern border of Ukraine with Russia and its northern border with Belarus, which is essentially a puppet of, of the Russian regime. Uh, These troops have been there since last April. That is April of 2021, nearly a full year now they've been there. There has not been much change except for some rotating in and out and positioning of of different uh, brigades and divisions and units uh, alternating and and, uh, rotating. Um, But currently, and and most recently, with, with, with the Biden administration, uh, trying desperately to distract Americans' attention from anything except the domestic disaster that is our country at the moment. Um, he and also certain media in, in, in the United States, mainstream uh, media outlets, have been, have been really beating the war drums, the only way I can put it, I think, about what's going on over there. Now, obviously, Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, has a vision of trying to reestablish Russia as a global power, 
um, to, to reestablish Russia's power and influence over what it looks at as its near abroad or the elements of the former Soviet Union that broke away after 1991, uh, as Ukraine did, formerly a Soviet Socialist Republic of the USSR, now independent. Um, and uh, Putin thinks that the greatest disaster, catastrophe of his life was the breakup of the USSR geographically. And uh, so he wants to, to, to you know, bring those, those, those places uh, on his periphery back into the fold, as it were. At the same time, uh, post-1991, you've got NATO, uh, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, to which the United States belongs, and many European countries do too, um, advancing and expanding uh, ever eastward. Now, we'll think back to the 1962 uh, Cuban Missile Crisis when President John F. Kennedy went to the brink of nuclear war to keep Russian nukes, get nu Russian nukes out of Cuba, 90 miles off the, the coast of Florida. Right. Well, Putin looks at Ukraine in much the same way. That were Ukraine, it's not a member of NATO, and probably won't ever be, at least in our near future that we can see, but were it to be a member of NATO, NATO would have the right to station on that territory any weaponry it wanted, uh, and Ukraine agreed to, including nuclear weapons, which could put nuclear weapons basically a five-minute flight away from Moscow. Wow. Now, I think we can understand that uh, Putin, who is a KGB thug, no question about it, um, but he would see that as an existential threat to uh, Russia, Russia's territory. So this puts us in a, in a conundrum. Uh, NATO is not going to say, uh, and neither are we, the United States, no, um, X country will never become a member of NATO, which is a, a Russian demand. We're not going to say that. We're not going to agree to that. We're not also going to agree to, to say that X weapons, uh, whether it be long-range uh, or short-range or medium-range um, ballistic missiles or anything else, ships, planes, uh, cannot be positioned uh, in any NATO country that, that agrees to have them. We're not going to say that. These are Russia's demands. So somehow behind the scenes, this has to be worked out, uh, taking into consideration the security considerations the, the security concerns of, of each side. And I think there's a way to do that. Um, but I, I, I have to say that this beating of the drums, and you mentioned um, there about uh, the, the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, right. um, projecting a, a much calmer demeanor, which, right. of course, as president it's of the like, country, he needs like, to do. Hey, hey, Joe, calm down, our own hey, Joe. President. Right. Hey, Joe, calm yes. it down. Uh, Ain't that bad yet. Right. That and is, uh, forgive me, that is what I was going to ask about. From my layman uh, perspective, all I can see is that Biden, who I call the presidential potted plant, because I don't think he's making these determinations, but the left that's propping him up seems to be angling for war with Putin and Russia. They seem to be aligned with China um, on a very large-scale chessboard here. Tell us if, if that's at all true, if there's any truth to that. I think it certainly appears that way. Um, 
some of you or maybe your listeners um, have, have uh, as I have just uh, recently received, bought um, the book by Peter Schweitzer, Red Handed. Right. right. And um, this book refers especially to China and um, the deep, um, I mean, the extensive connections between uh, not just the Biden family, plural, that is, um, but also other senior U.S. national security and, and, and leadership figures, for example, in Congress, those connections with the top, top levels of the Chinese Communist Party and in particular the Chinese uh, intelligence agency, the Ministry of State Security. Um, so there, there's, there's reason to look at those, those relationships, which persist, by the way, to this day, investments, portfolios, etc., um, and, and wonder, at least wonder, um, what kind of leverage does Beijing have, hold, over our president, our national security mm-hmm. leadership figures. Well, not and only then, Beijing, but also the deal that was cut with Hunter for the uh, oil oil uh, job with the Ukraine. Uh, then there you, you go, go again. Right. Yeah, You're back exactly. to the Ukraine. And then the mayor of uh, uh, Moscow, who gave him so much money and everything. So, I mean, he was making deals all over the place. Yeah, he sure well, was. And, and also, remember that from the moment Trump won, the left went crazy with this Russia collusion connection. And from that moment, it seemed to me that the left was wanting to stick it to Russia. They made a complete about face uh, uh, before the years in the 60s when they were they seemed quite happy with the Soviet, the old Soviet Union. But now that Russia isn't the old Soviet Union and they're more into Mao, uh, they seem to want to put Russia in its place way back since then. Well, I mean, remember back, um, you know, after uh, President Trump's um, victory in the 2016 presidential elections and, you know, the entire Russiagate hoax, uh, the impeachment, the phony impeachments. um, Yes. And, and, but as we know now, as documents uh, come forth and, and, and are uh, made public, some declassified, um, some ob- obtained through FOIA requests and so forth, Right. we know now um, that the entire scheme that you just laid out there, Karen, um, was, was a hoax perpetrated by the Hillary Clinton and Democrat National Party um, operation uh, working through uh, law firms like Perkins Coie, um, you know, Fusion GPS and, 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 and other cutouts. Um, but it was to frame up President Donald Trump and his family and the Republican yeah. uh, leadership. Don't, don't forget also that it was the Biden administration that okayed the pipeline, oil pipeline from Russia to Germany. That's why we don't no longer have Germany really on our side with anything that happens in this this uh, shake-off that's happening with the Ukraine, because they're they're indebted to Russia for the oil and gas. First, he cut off the oil and gas in this country, then he allowed Russia to open up there. This this was the main control that we had over Russia, because they are an oil and gas uh, uh, country. That's why they made all their money, right? Well, as soon as the United States, under the Biden administration, um, slashed our oil and gas production, right? Um, the prices, as we can see, shot up. 
Now, Russia's break-even price for oil, uh, of which it's uh, abundantly uh, endowed, uh, natural gas too, but right. the break-even for oil for Russia is $80 a barrel. So he's, they're We're right headed at the up break towards even. $100 a barrel right oh, now because boy. the Biden administration cut American production, which not only slashed tens of thousands of good American jobs, right. but put us into an energy-dependent position once again, which President Donald Trump had taken us out of and made us the number one producer of oil and gas on the face of the earth and in energy-independent. No more. So, yes. Putin sees the chance to um, make Europe uh, completely dependent on Russia for its uh, energy supplies, in particular hard, hard uh, northern European winters like right now, now. Now, the other thing that you said in there, which is implied at least to me, is that when we went from energy independence to energy dependent and oil has started up so high, this is the root cause of the uh, inflation that we have right now is the energy. Part of it, certainly part of it. I mean, a not to mention also of the trillions right. of dollars pumped, you know, into the, uh, the U.S. economy over the last couple of years. Right. These, these massive spending bills. But, yes, energy is a big part of that. And so the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that, as you said there, runs uh, from Russia underwater through the Baltic Sea to northern Germany, its terminal, it's not begun pumping yet. This will be for natural gas. It has not yet begun uh, operations, uh, but is expected to in the second half of this year, perhaps 2022. Um, but the point is that that pipeline's route, by taking it northern, uh, on a northern route around Europe and not through, overland through any of these countries like Ukraine, Right. It's a direct connection between Russia and Germany, and the leverage is, is incredible that Putin will in, enjoy and obviously use over, over Germany and other parts of, of Western Europe. But it also uh, takes the pipeline uh, away from countries, uh, bypassing countries like Ukraine, for example, which were the pipeline to still crisscross the major, I mean, there are other pipelines, but the major, this one, pipeline to cross Ukraine, that would put Europe in a position of wanting to defend Ukraine from Russian incursions and threats. Right. Naturally. But, but now by the pipeline going around and north, Ukraine doesn't have that advantage or that 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 um, in other words great great uh, not dependence. not strategic on oil and gas as they would have been well it, there's no incentive for germany right. or any other uh, european country to defend ukraine against um at russian russian threats never mind the 1994 budapest memorandum but that aside that was between russia and ukraine united states and britain right uh, which basically said that um the, the, the four uh, pledged uh, to the territorial integrity of Ukraine without actually making a defense pact out of it per se, but the implied uh, meaning of it was um, a defense of Ukrainian territorial integrity from uh, then uh, Soviet Union, now Russia. Now, you always have to look at quid pro quo. What did we get quid pro quo for allowing the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? I can't see anything personally. I know that's I, what I, I'm I, saying. I'm pressed to think of anything. That's I don't think we asked for anything when the Biden administration lifted the sanctions that allowed that pipeline to be completed, 
which right. was held up by sanctions under the Donald Trump administration, and of course, while Rick Rennell was ambassador to Germany. So another another stupid deal being made where the U.S. was played for a sucker, which is what Donald Trump said we have been throughout a lot of our history, and that's why we needed a businessman to come in who could cut a deal, and the U.S. interest, and we needed to put America first. That's what it means, is that we have to look out for America first, doesn't it? It absolutely does, and the American people know this, and I think that's probably why uh, there's going to be uh, a seismic, uh, you know, shifting of the tectonic plates uh, come November this year, 2022, in the midterm congressional elections. Right. I think we've got uh, a couple of different things. First off, uh, you've got a lot of the truckers and other people who are opposed to the mandates and everything that's going on with COVID. We've seen lie after lie on that. And the second thing is, you've got your, up where you live, you've got the mama bears, the mama bears who are coming out and saying the kids do not belong to the state. We, they belong to us. Those two things are making the big difference. Absolutely. Uh, the American people are awake. Not woke, they're awake. And there's a big no, difference no, between the woke, two of those. No, no, not woke. Don't use that um, term, no. Yeah, but, uh, but, 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 yeah, I mean, here's the, the slim silver lining, perhaps, to the lockdowns of, of the early part of this uh, uh, so-called pandemic, and, and that was that parents were stuck at home with the kids stuck at home and saw what they were uh, learning, um, you know, on their, their distance learning computer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they saw that. Uh, now, and they protested. They were angry. They were furious. And they began to let their voices be heard. We'll be uh, right back. We'll be right back. The incredible Claire Lopez. The Biden administration is quickly moving to implement the liberal fantasy of socialist spending. After spending a $2.1 trillion stimulus, the president and Democratic-led Congress have introduced another $3 trillion plan to add to our insurmountable debt, seeking to raise taxes on Americans making as little as 200000 a year. Have you seen the immigration footage? $87 million putting illegals in hotel rooms and our troops sleeping on parking garage floors. Could this be the biggest single goal? Gold buying opportunity in history? Well, Wells Fargo and Goldman Sachs say this is the time to buy gold. Patriot Gold Group, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver, and you may qualify for no fee for life IRA. Call 800 356 4470 for details. Patriot Gold Group, Consumer Affairs top rated gold IRA dealer, five years running. Call 800 356 4470 today. Now, we're talking with Claire Lopez. The best place to read her work is probably at frontpagemag.com. Uh, uh, That's wonderful. David Horowitz's publication. Now, Claire, one of the things, you've lived under socialism. I've lived under socialism. People have a really wrong view of socialism. It's all, it doesn't increase the wealth. It just spreads the misery, doesn't it? Well, exactly. I mean, um, as Trevor Loudon, who's who's a uh, a brilliant scholar of, yes, of yes. economics, Trevor and I are good friends, right? Uh, how he explains is that out of hunter gatherer societies eventually developed feudalism when 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 societies settled down and, and and tilled fields agriculturally, and then after that was the accumulation of wealth, and that's the capitalist period. 
um, which he doesn't like to use. Free market is the term he prefers, and I do too. The free market system, um, which you've got to have first for the accumulation of wealth and the ability to accumulate wealth at the individual level um, before then uh, there is an attempt to impose socialism, which what is it about? What is socialism? It's the forcible redistribution of wealth, typically through uh, confiscatory levels of taxation, um, and that takes away the wealth from those who earned it and gives it away to those who didn't. It has nothing nothing to do, nothing to do, Claire, nothing to do with creation of wealth, but it's redistribution. Socialism doesn't create wealth, right? No. No. Or if we want to be really simplistic, theft. It's theft. That's what it is. Right? Yeah. I mean, and the only step left after that, of course, is full-on communism, which is the violent revolutionary phase. Um, and the violent, um, you know, takeover of a society by a tiny elite that then rules, like Mao, like Stalin and Lenin, um, like Hugo Chavez, like the Castros, etc. I would say what we have Claire. right now is a uh, form of fascism, of national socialism, where it's rule of, by, and for the corporations as corporate uh, together with well, the government. I, I definitely try to avoid um, uh, referring things. to what, what we're facing right now as anything to do with fascism. Fascism died 75 years ago with the Third Reich. It's gone. It's done. But what we are facing, I do think, um, and there are similarities, of course, but, but is a creeping, uh, not just socialism, but, but communist Marxist revolution. Yes. Um, and, Claire, and, and that is a, where... A- they're trying to take us. Hmm? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. A- finish your thought. I'm sorry. That's it. No, go uh, ahead. This is, a, this is a really big picture question for the end of our wonderful time together. Boy, are you impressive. Uh, th- for those of us watching, we've watched globalism, just this unbelievable uh, desire of a very small few to control masses of people regardless of nations, regardless of borders, anything else. There are people calling the shots. Uh, Hello? Uh, more theft. I, How I does lost that the sound there for a the, couple what, moments. What the conversation... Ah, how does the, the move towards globalism square with all of this strife that we were talking about just before with Russia and China and all of these many interests... Uh, are we just headed towards enormous chaos, or what are you seeing happening happening with these these many forces on well, one there, another? There very definitely is um, a life and death struggle across the world right now um, that is being waged between the forces of individual liberty, freedom, Western style uh, liberal democracy, uh, and mm-hmm. on the other side. A number of different globalist, tyrannical um, uh, organizations and, and efforts, and and those tyrannical forces include not just the globalists, you know, the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and and, and the Davos crowd and all of those, um, mm-hmm. but also, of course, the forces of uh, uh, jihad, uh, of of Islamic tyranny, um, which 
you have to wonder where, where that's going to meet up uh, against uh, the forces of Marxism and communism, and we can see that playing out, right. don't we, in uh, Xinjiang, the far western province of China, which is inhabited by the jihadi Uyghurs, which would like to establish uh, an Islamic state called East Turkestan in Central Asia. So you have different and competing forces of tyranny uh, coming at us, the, the defenders of Western-style liberal democracy and individual liberty from all directions, and that's what we have to stand up to. Thank you for all you've done. God bless you. Thank, Thank you for all you're doing. All aboard the Truth Express. You can listen on your favorite podcast app or local radio station. Patriot Gold Group, Consumer Affairs operated five years running for your IRA or 401k. Call 800-356-4470 today.